The Today's Homeowner Radio Podcast is brought to you by The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Welcome to Today's Homeowner with Danny Lipford, your partner in home improvement. Everyone has questions about their home. We've got the answers, and we have a few laughs along the way. Informative, entertaining, and sometimes off the wall. Home improvement has never been this much fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this hour of Today's Homeowner Radio. Danny Lipford here along with my buddy Joe Truini. A lot of things to cover during this hour that we want to share with you. Some of these questions might be things that you might be looking for, including mowing tips. It's that time of the year, and, you know, you might just you know, keep mowing the same way you always have. Well, is it the right way? We've got some great mowing tips from our friends at Xmark Mowers, as well as a listener that has a great idea on how to balance a lawnmower blade, something that maybe a lot of people don't even think about. Ant problems. Man, these ants are something else. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they just keep poking their little heads up here and there, and, and they're up to no good. So we, so, so we want to tell you a few ways that you can control those. Because uh, now, again, now's the time to do that before they get really embedded in your, your in your yard. You see what I did there, Joe? Embedded. Embedded. You see what I, I get mean? it. Yeah, yeah. Building yeah, a bed. Embedded. Yeah, that's, that's, that happens. <laughs> also, we've got a lot of emails. And, Joe, what about that simple solution you might share with us later today? I've got a quick way on how to repurpose an old banquet table, like a folding table that has seen better days, how to use it in your workshop. You know, I actually, in my workshop, they do this thing. I'm sure this is a common thing around schools where they'll take a piece of furniture and they'll take like the third grade class and they'll take it and then they paint it and then they take special color paint and they let each child write their name on it. Okay. So it's yeah. a nice little cool, funky, eclectic looking piece of furniture, cheap piece of furniture with all of these wonderful names on it. And, you know, then they sell it for a school auction, a school fundraiser and everything. So I have a $400 Chester drawers in <laughs> it that's probably worth about 40 in my shop with extra hammers, extra screwdrivers, extra right, things, yeah. clamps, things like that in it. So, but I chuckle every time I see it and I know right where my daughter's name is on it yeah. too. So, there you know, you it's a cool cool little thing and they come in there and they chuckle. So, you and know, a very worthy got, cause too. If you've got furniture that makes you chuckle, then that's good furniture. That's you know? good. It's yeah. just a good way to do it. So, a lot of things that we're doing here and hey, we want to hear from you. We got a you know, a lot of ways that you can reach out to us. You can send us an email at todayshomeowner.com/ask. That's wonderful emails this week. We're going to try to tackle all of those in just a little bit. And you can pick up the phone and call us 800-946-4420. We had a special call where a homeowner that started, a, she's 70 years old and she's back teaching school now after taking care of her husband for a few years. And she's really focused on her house. She feels it's a bit of therapy for her to try to do a few things that she's been wanting to do for years. So she had several questions for us, but we thought, well, you know what? That's pretty valuable. Let's see if we can help Judy out on this one. So let's go with, uh, let's go with these calls. Can I paint the tumbled stone backsplash that I've done in my kitchen? I would like to paint it white to match my cabinets. Okay. Well, Judy, you can, you can paint it. Um, you can paint it with just about anything and it'll look good and it'll hold up for a little while. But a backsplash is something that you need uh, to be very durable. You need it to be washable. So I would recommend going with an epoxy paint 
read the instructions well. Make sure you're getting you some good painter's tape, maybe two-inch, three-inch tape that you can tape off all of the areas around it. Get you a good brush. Again, read the instructions, have plenty of ventilation, and you can uh, make a difference in that and probably only need to put on one coat. Have you a good light there so that you can really see that you're putting the paint on evenly, and uh, that'll change that look completely. Let's get another call here. This one uh, is for, for Joe. Uh, Judy has a question for you, Joe. I want to replace my countertops. They've been on since 2011. And I want to do a white with maybe a small gray vein. And I would like to do something that's stain resistant and something that is hot resistant that I could put a hot pan from the stove on. Uh, I'd like to do maybe quartz or even granite, but I don't know which one would meet those qualifications. Well, we're not really sure what judy has for countertops right now but if she wants a quartz countertop or granite she's gonna just have to call a fabricator and get a couple of recommendations as far as quotes and what type of material is available and have them do it um but quartz is a manufactured product and they do not recommend putting a hot pan down on top of it so if that's something that's important she should um she should know that the quartz might be perfect for her because she wants something white with some light graining um, so I'd say go with the quartz, but just don't put a hot pot on it. That's, that's probably the best and, and that's pretty much the case on everything. It may, you yeah. know, just like granite or anything because they are fabricated. And, and you know, any kind of extreme hot or cold on any surface causes expansion and contraction, and that's probably uh, not good. Now, what I have in my, counter, my, my kitchen, and I'll absolutely love it, and it's basically white with some um, dark uh, gray graining, is quartzite. And um, so it's it's a little bit of a different product, but that's also one, Judy, that you may want to consider. Let's get a third question from Judy, see if we can help her get her started on this renovation. It's about my master bathroom that I hope to remodel this summer. Um, to take up the flooring, uh, there is ceramic tile on the flooring, and it is 16 by 16 square pieces. Now, and it is on top of vinyl flooring. So can I just get a flat shovel and do that? And also, I have it partially up on the wall, about three feet. And I guess to take that off, I just need to cut right above the stone and cut out the sheetrock and take it off that way. Is that what I need to do? Because I'm wanting to put subway tile on that whole wall, do I need to put backer board in there instead of just putting sheetrock? Also, my new bathroom shower, well, what I have now is a tub shower insert that's 26 years old. Okay, so I want to update, and I want to get the new Delta three-wall insert. So it reaches 79 inches, I believe, so I'll only have five inches left up there, and I want to put the long subway tile up there also. So when I cut out what's up there, I want, I'm want i thinking of putting backer board because I really don't want any leaks or anything. And also, after this tub shower insert is cut out, do I replace what's behind there with backer board to make sure I don't have any leaks? That's the thing that scares me. I, I see a lot of this stuff on TV that shows people just fastening 
the three walls to the studs, and I'm really not keen on that. I, I would really like to put back board if you think that's okay. Thank you for answering my questions. I really appreciate it. I'm sorry I couldn't call in in person, but I'm 70 years old, and I still substitute teach. So thank you a lot. Bye. Good for you, Judy. And just like a good teacher, you're doing your research. That's good. I appreciate that. Um, yes, the, the thing is with the um, uh, 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 a surround, a tub surround like that, it is better to have a solid backing there. You really don't have to go with cement backer board for that. You could go with a treated drywall like Purple Rock from National Gypsum would be perfect for that. But wherever the tile is, you would want the backer board. So there's not much of a difference in cost on that. So you may end up wanting to go with all backer board. Don't forget the insulation. I would put all insulation in all of those walls, even if they're inside walls for soundproofing and so forth on that. But I would tell take all of that out. Joe has a great simple solution for whoever does that actual work where you actually take a sawzall or a reciprocating blade and cut it in half so that you can use that shorter stubby blade to cut through all of that um, drywall or whatever you have on that wall without it hitting any pipes or wires. There's um, what, you know, um, videos online at todayshomeowner.com that tell you how to do that. But I would tear all of that out, put the backer board in there properly, glue it, screw it down and you'll be glad you did and of course the waterproofing that is part of that as well because ceramic's not waterproof neither is the grout so you want to make sure that you do have the waterproofing down below it you only get one chance when you're renovating a bathroom like that judy i hope we've been able to help you there you know you can call us back if you need to and you need to know you can reach out to us anytime here at today's homeowner radio we're going to take a short break we'll be right back you're listening to today's homeowner radio You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio, the number one place for practical, realistic home improvement tips. Call anytime, 800-946-4420. Today's Homeowner is brought to you by Wizard Screen Solutions. Find out more at wizardscreens.com. Hey, the Today's Homeowner Radio Show was heard coast-to-coast on some amazing stations, and this station is a brand-new station to add the Today's Homeowner Radio Show to their air, and we appreciate it. They're in South Paris, Maine, and it's WEZRAM 780 and 98.3 FM, again, in South Paris, Maine, a special hello and welcome to each and every one of you there. Hey, we want to help you out. If you've got a problem with your house, yeah, everybody has at least a question or two about their home. We're here to help you out. All you have to do is call us up, 800-946-4420, or send us an email at todayshomeowner.com slash ask. Hey, I want to share with you, it's this time of the year for us to start mowing those lawns, and here's a little Your Mow segment from our friends at Xmark. In case anyone missed it. It's lawn care season, and we want to help you make the most of your efforts in this installment of Know Your Mow. You know, we're talking about tips for fertilizing your lawn. First, let's talk about three numbers you see on the fertilizer bags in the home center. Each number represents a percentage of three nutrients your lawn needs that are contained in that bag.
bag. They are nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium in that order. So a bag label 13-13-13 would contain 13% of each nutrient. The remaining 61% is inert fillers to help distribute the nutrients. And it's important to understand that each nutrient has a different job nutrient, the first number, or nitrogen rather, the first number will help promote a lush green lawn. Phosphorus, the middle number, promotes root growth, which is important for lawns that are not well established, and potassium, the third number, helps the grass fight off diseases, which is important at the end of the growing season to winterize the lawn. If you just want plant growth, all-purpose fertilizer, like the 13-13-13 I mentioned, may be a good option because it delivers equal amounts of all three nutrients. Whatever your choice, read the label well before you use it and be sure that it's right for your situation. If your lawn is new, wait a full year before your fertilizer to avoid burning the root system. In general, early spring and early fall are the best times to feed your lawn. But remember, more is not always better. This Know Your Mow segment is brought to you by our friends at X Mark mowers. Boy, we've had a lot of calls on the today's homeowner hotline. You can call us anytime, 800-946-4420. Let's go to a caller right now that has a really cool tip for you, our today's homeowner listeners. Hey guys, this is Robert in Deming, Washington. I'm Northwest Washington Extreme and listening to you on KGMI radio out of Bellingham. Uh, You had your opening monologue radio talk this morning and uh, two things you said about sharpening lawnmower blades and about getting rid of the glass grass clippings i will say living in the northwest we do have to mow our lawns uh 12 months out of the year depending upon the snowfall that day most of those months maybe 10 of those months we cannot leave grass clippings on the lawn or it will turn into uh all sorts of green fungi spongy stuff that uh, does not promote the growth of grass just too darn wet for that grass clippings to rot away and dry up like it normally would most of the country. Uh, the other thing was very important when you're uh, talking about sharpening your lawnmower is uh, having that ba- having that blade in balance when you're all done. Otherwise, you're going to throw a bearing on your, on your lawnmower. And so uh, the easiest way to do that is you grind away or blend away with your sander or your grinder, whichever you choose, and then uh, set a pencil down on a flat surface and center the blade on your pencil. And it should balance, and you know, just like a, just like a, seat, a teeter-totter, uh, it should uh, balance that they're right in the middle pretty close. And if it doesn't, if it leans to one side or the other, side it leans to, well, that's the side you need to take a little more material off. You guys have a great day and a great show. Thank you. All right, absolutely. We appreciate that and I encourage others if you have any kind of tip like that because that's great and a, and a valid point because it's surprising. I, I mentioned briefly one time about, um, you know, having an area – you know, it's just like down at my river cabin where I have a, you know, a lot of grass, but there's also a lot of sand. And, you know, if you get from one point to the other, you're going across some sand. It's amazing how abrasive that can be. And I can understand exactly what he's talking about because, um, you know, one side can wear a lot more than the other. Sure. And boy, if yeah. you get something out of balance like that, um, you're going to have some a lot bigger problems than uneven grass. Yeah, and the other way to test if it's um, if to balance the blade is to take the pencil and hold it horizontally and just slip it through the hole of the blade, set the blade horizontally, and then just let go and see what happens. If it holds its its horizontal position, fine. If it starts going down on one end, then you know that end is too heavy and it needs to be 
um, need to grind off or file off a little more material. They also make a balancing tool, not even really a tool. It's just this little device, a little cone-shaped piece of plastic you set down on a flat surface, and you set the blade on top of it. And then that will, you know, if it's out of balance, it'll tip to one side or the other. But Robert's right. If you don't, if you're mowing with an unbalanced blade, it is going to cause wobbling, and it can wear out those bearings. Hey, we've got an email here, Joe. Apparently, I, I don't know, maybe this email wasn't intended for us. It starts What's off, that? hello, gentlemen. So no, he's who, never listened to this I show. Wonder, no. I wonder who he's talking about here. But anyway, <laughs> uh, Mark from Illinois um, is uh, apparently a nice gentleman on his own. Uh, hello, gentlemen. I really enjoyed listening to your radio show. We recently had a new pressure-treated deck built off the back of our home. Do I have to put a finish on the 1x6 deck? And if so, what do you recommend? I'm looking for an easy, low-maintenance finish. Well, Mark, I'm glad, I'm glad you wrote this email in and, and sent it to us by going to todayshomeowner.com slash ask because a lot of people ask this question and and that's a little confusing about it because they want to do the right thing they've invested a lot of money and time in putting a new deck there now he said one by six decking i would bet that is five quarter by six decking which is a full one inch thick which is very unusual to have a deck that's built out of um, three quarter inch thick material but either way it's all the same if it's pressure treated it's hard to know what kind of moisture level you have um, in pressure-treated wood because, well, you know, did the lumber yard store it outside, inside? How long has it been on the yard? A lot of different factors, you know, how many times has it been rained on and so forth. But you put everything, install everything regardless of the moisture content. And then, of course, you can use a moisture meter to see exactly how much moisture is in it. But I can tell you when you first install it is not the time to do any type of treatment to it. You want it to etch a little bit. And a real simple test is to take like a half a glass of water and just pour it on a spot on the deck and see if it soaks in or it beads up. If it beads up, you've got to wait a little bit longer. Mother Nature will take care of it with a little bit of rain and sun and wind and that kind of thing. It'll kind of etch the surface. So you probably want to wait. There's no magic number, but I would say three to six months, depending on the weather that you have. And then once you can put a a little bit of water on it and it soaks in, you're ready for one of two things that we recommend a clear a clear sealer that will just basically seal it off and leave the wood like it is or what really works and what I like a lot is a is a semi-transparent stain a stain that's made for the outside that will soak into the wood and seal the pores it'll still allow you to enjoy the beautiful wood and if you like the color of the wood the the gray color or whatever you know, type of um, finish that you have or what, whatever type of wood that you have. If you want to match that, cool, get a stain the same way and then apply that, let it soak in, make sure you back brush it to push it down in there. But um, Joe, it's always hard to know exactly when to do that, but we always can say not when it's first built. No, never when it's first built, because as you said, it typically comes way too wet. And you can tell it's wet sometimes just by picking it up and carrying it out of the store. You know, sometimes a board seems unusually heavy, and some are relatively light, even though it's the same size board. And that's because some of them are still wet with the pressure-treating chemicals they pump into it. But yeah, you have to put it down and just wait it out. And that's why there's no real number. I mean, sometimes I've heard you have to wait two weeks. Well, that's great, but what if it rains on day 13? Then what? If we another two weeks, well, you know, what if it rains twice in between? So, yeah, just spritz it with a little water and see if it soaks in or not. All right, let's go. Let's see. Matter of fact, we've got to go to the uh, 
to our commercials right now. We have a lot of more emails that I'm amazed at how many we have. And some of these questions are so good. The thing about sending in questions, whether you send in an email or um, give us a call, um, it's probably a question thousands of other homeowners would love to be asking. So you're really helping out our today's homeowner community by asking these questions. So we're going to tackle a lot of those emails when we come back. And you're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. We'll be right back. Today's Homeowner is brought to you by Leviton. The future is on. Hey, if you're already receiving the Today's Homeowner newsletter, you probably already realize how much great information is available there. You know, it's timely information, and a lot of it's based off of all of the emails and phone calls that we get on what people are looking for. Now, you can receive the Today's Homeowner newsletter free of charge every week in your inbox by going to todayshomeowner.com slash newsletter and sign up today. A lot of great information that we have each and every week uh, so that you can have the best-looking house on the block and get the answers to your questions each and every time. Now, we have another call, like I say, where the, the hotline has been really busy, 800-946-4420. Sometimes people just want to leave us a question without uh, any contact information. That's perfectly fine. We try to answer as many of those as we can as well. Let's grab one right now. Yes, I just heard an ant recipe to, to, well, to get rid of ants. I didn't hear the measurements. All right. Uh, so just talking about the recipe, more or less, and that's something right. that yep. you can find on our website at todayshomeowner.com slash radio. But, Joe, um, you know, so many people, boy, those things are everywhere. I was out the other day riding around in, in the yard and everything. Boy, those things just pop up everywhere, and they can get so big before you ever even realize yeah. it. And, of course, you know, you mow the grass, and it just throws them all around. They get a little dizzy yeah, yeah. and start back building again, <laughs> you know. So, uh, but what um, um, I remember the recipe, but I don't remember the quantities that, sh- um, that you had mentioned. Yeah, she's referring to a simple solution I shared on air, and it's a way of making a safe, non-toxic way to get rid of ants. What you do is you want to start with a small plastic tub that has a lid on it, and then you get a drill with a 3 inch diameter bit, and you drill four evenly spaced holes around the sides of this container. You want to drill maybe like a half inch up from the bottom of the tub. And then, and here, here's the, um, the recipe. In a small bowl, separate small bowl, you want to mix three teaspoons of sugar, one teaspoon of borax, and then a quarter cup of warm water. And you mix it up to dissolve the sugar. And then into this container, you put a, a piece of bread. Then pour in this sugar and borax water to completely soak the piece of bread. Snap on the lid, and then you set the tub wherever you've been seeing ants. And the idea is the ants crawl through the hole. They take a little piece of this borax-soaked bread, and they carry bits of it back to the colony to feed the other ants, and it winds up killing a bunch of ants. So that, that's that's the uh, that's the recipe and the simple solution. There you go. All right. Well, let's knock those ants out. I mean, they are certainly everywhere. Um, little trivia that I'm not necessarily proud of here in What's Mobile, that? Alabama. Uh, the introduction of the fire ant uh, was here. Had you not on... had them till recently? No, no, no. This was many, many, many uh, oh, decades oh. ago. The the very first fire ant in. North America came in through the port of Mobile, Alabama. Yay. Well, thanks a lot. Thank That's, you very yeah, much. I know. I know. We, we, get, we get a lot of um, hate mail on that one. But um, 
but I think it was a banana boat or something that it sure. got introduced. I don't know how in the world they tracked that and figured all of that out, but that's just one of the things that pop up from time to time. Hey, let's get us an email going here. We've got a lot of emails we're going to get after. You can send us one at todayshomeowner.com slash ask. This one came in from St. Paul, Minnesota. Daniel asked, hello, I'd like to change the look of our plain, boring concrete patio, which measures about 10 by 14. I was thinking about tiling over the concrete. I'm not sure it'll survive our harsh Minnesota winters. What do you think? Um, well, boy, you got a lot of options there, um, Daniel. One of the things that you can do, of course, clean it up real well. I- I- I'll tell you what we've done before. Clean it, uh, take a slab and then score it. Now, you can take a regular circular saw, put an abrasive blade on it, set it about a quarter inch deep, pop some lines across it in some kind of pattern. You can go with a diagonal. You can go with squares. You can go keep it real simple, just simple, maybe even come in a foot and just put a score line around there as if you're creating a border. Uh, make it very simple, then pressure wash it and get it nice and clean. You'll be surprised that little bit of detail, what it'll do as far as the look of the concrete. The concrete will already look better at this point. But if you want to go in the next step, several things you can do. Concrete stain, not paint. You don't want to paint. That's concrete, right. yep. it won't last and it'll be too slick. Concrete stain will will soak in. Um, that works pretty well. And uh, Joe, what about the um, putting porcelain tile outside in a um, you know extreme weather situation like St. Paul, Minnesota? Uh, will it really hold up? And what per, you know precautions do you have to do to make sure that it does? Yeah, well, first, most importantly, if you're going to be putting tile down outdoors, especially in Minnesota, you want to cover the slab with an uncoupling membrane, which is basically like a plastic sheet. And what it does is it isolates any cracks or moisture for in the slab from telegraphing through to the tile. So that's the best way to, to a really good insurance against any problem with the tile. So you use thin set mortar to set this uncoupling membrane. The one I typically use is, is called the DITRA, D-I-T-R-A. Um, but in any case, you put this down, then you spread more. Once it, once the, the, mortar cures you put more mortar on top and you set your tiles and the other thing most importantly um is you want to buy a high quality porcelain tile not ceramic make sure it's a porcelain tile rated for floors of course um and you're looking for a porosity level of three percent or less and the porosity level is how porous is the tile and those are typically designed for use outdoors so um that that's what i would that's what i'd recommend the uncoupling membrane and then the uh outdoor rated tile with that very low porosity rating. And we certainly want to mention um, our friends at Deitch Coatings. I mean, I've used, uh, I have Deitch Coatings in my workshop. I have it in my toy barn. I have it in my uh, garage. And uh, a lot of different type of finishes they have. They're just coming out with a, a brand new one called Rock Patch. Go to DeitchCoatings.com, D-A-I-C-H Coatings.com, and look at the different options they have there. Preparation is important, but the application is very do-it-yourself friendly, and uh, you can get a lot of different looks out of it there. You don't have to settle for one. They have a lot of different colors that are available and uh, they can ship it uh, right to you and you can order it there at DeitchCoatings.com or HomeDepot.com. But, um, you know, a nice finish on something like that. I mean, you know, plain old concrete. I mean, 
it's never going to look any better than it does right now. And so if you do that, and, and another thing, even if you did the scoring that we're talking about, and you can find out exactly how to do it by going to todayshomeowner.com. But Joe, even if they scored it, cleaned it, let it dry, and right. apply several coats of masonry sealer, it's just going to give it a more finished look. It's not sure. like putting varnish on it, but it will make it look a lot better. It'll hold up a lot better. It won't stain as well. Boy, they just need to really push that masonry sealer a lot better. Yeah, the masonry sealer and the masonry stains. So often we get questions. People don't realize they're stains specifically designed for masonry. And as Danny said a hundred times before, don't use paint on concrete because you're going to end up with chipping and wear spots and it's hard to remove. So, yeah, I would use stain. And then the other option is earlier you had mentioned the stenciling. Go to todayshomeowner.com oh, yeah. and you see yeah. Danny and, and uh, Chelsea putting stencils on patios and it really changes the look of it completely. Absolutely. A lot of different ways you can go. And that's what we try to do is give you a few variety of answers to just about any question we have. When we come back, we're going to continue on the emails. We've got a lot to share with you. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. We'll be right back. Today's Homeowner is brought to you by Dykes Coatings. Easily roll on your new stone countertop, garage floor, and more in just a weekend with Deitch. And welcome back to the show. It's email time here on the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. We like to get emails from you because it makes it easy for you to reach out to us, and we want to answer as many of those as we can. You can send us one anytime by simply going to todayshomeowner.com slash ask. Here's one from Bob in Oregon. The sidewalk in front of our house has grass and weeds growing out of the crack in the expansion joints. I don't know how they can make it through there. That's, you know, here, it's amazing, here, right? Here, five feet away, you're trying your best to grow grass and you're having trouble with it. And then here is concrete and you got grass growing up in it. And yeah, I pulled and I've scraped them out, but they just keep growing right back. You know, we've got a lot of kids in the neighborhood, so I don't want to spray anything on it that's toxic like Roundup or whatever. So what do you suggest, Joe? It's time to break out the tea kettle. Why the tea kettle, That's Joe? one way, yeah. Yeah, well, Chelsea show doing this on, t- on the TV show, right? Using hot boiling water poured over the weeds and it'll kill them. And what he could do, uh, what Bob could do, is you can pull the weeds and then still use the water because you really you want to kill the roots. And so he might want to, if this is really a, a very aggressive problem, he might need to do both. I know you can buy um, a propane torch specifically designed for burning weeds, but I assume you could probably rent it, Danny. I'm not really sure. But that that really works. It's got a long handle on it, so you don't have to bend down. You just carry around the gas tank and just burn them. And okay, so then he burns them out. Then what, what do you do next? Well, I did a, wrote an article about this once because um, we had so many questions on it. And after you do that, a good way to prevent those uh, weeds from growing back is to scrape out those cracks where the weeds were, vacuum it to remove any loose debris, then fill it with a self-leveling polyurethane sealant. And one of the best ones is made by a company called Sika, S-I-K-A. I'm not sure what they what the name of it is, um, but you can get it at Home Depot. I think it's like $14 for a tube, but it's a big tube. It's a 29-ounce tube. Um, and so then you fill it with this self-leveling sealant. And it's self-leveling in that you put it down and that's it. You don't have to tool it. It evens out, smooths itself out, and that'll block it. And as we always say, if the crack's wider than a quarter inch or deeper than a quarter inch, put in some backer rod first and then put the sealant on top. 
All right, good. That'll keep those weeds from growing up. Unbelievable. Okay, here's yep. another one. This is uh, Lewis in Morgantown, West Virginia. I remember going through Morgantown. The reset button on our 12-year-old water heater keeps tripping, which shuts the unit off. Should I replace the reset button or just get a new water heater? Joe, we're talking about a 12-year-old unit. Um, yeah, getting uh, close you know, to I, the I, end I, of its life, right? Yeah, I'll tell you something very interesting. If you'll Google life expectancy of different systems in your home, you might be surprised that you're exceeding the life expectancy of a lot of systems in your home like water heaters. Now, I agree. I, I have a water heater right now in my river cabin that's 21 years old, and wow. it works. It works just fine. But I'm you not using it, it every day. Yeah, I'm using right, it every right. now and then, and yeah. sometimes that even makes it last. Um, you know, less of a time, but. The average life expectancy is somewhere around 10 years for a water heater, so I don't think it's really worth it. Here's the thing. If you replace a 12-year-old water heater with a new water heater, you're saving about 30% on your water heating cost. Now, that still takes a little while to pay for it, but it's a, a lot cheaper every single month in using that. It's more efficient, better. They've just gotten better and better. So what do you think on this, Joe? Do you think to try the reset button replacement, but... I got a feeling there's something that's causing that beyond that. Well, yeah, I mean, it's 12 years old. It's not 20 years old, and it is working, apparently. So, yeah, the only reason to replace it would be, as you said, to save on your energy costs. But the most common reasons why a reset button keeps tripping is that the water is way too hot. You know, once it exceeds, I think, about 180 degrees, it'll it'll trip the button. And the reason they it trips, of course, is to prevent you from getting scalded. By the way, this is this uh, we're calling a reset button. It's it's technically known as a high limit switch. So if you go to a store or the plumber tells you mentions high limit switch, it's the same thing. And the reason that it might be getting too hot is because the thermostat's bad. The thermostat's no longer controlling the temperature of the water, so it just gets as gets too hot. You know, I, I guess he could try just replacing the thermostat. It would certainly be a lot cheaper than replacing the whole heater. Yeah, it might be. It might be just fine. You know, a lot of times the thing that, you know, why why does one water heater last and another yeah. one doesn't? Well, that's, it's a lot a to question. do with the a lot to do with the elements. You know, if if you have a water heater, let's say in the attic, it's exposed to all kinds of extremes from very cold to very hot. That's just going to make it work a lot harder when it's, you know, very cold up there. You know, if you have one that's exposed out in let's say the garage where it's not heated in cool then you have the elements, the moisture. You have a lot of things there that you're dealing with. It's not going to make it last uh, very long. Now, if you have it inside, it's heated and cooled. You've got a you know a little space there. A lot of times you'll have a closet where you have um, you know just the water heater in there. That's probably the type that's going to last a lot longer. But what really makes them last a lot longer is draining your water heater on a regular basis. I'd say at least every couple years. Hook the hose to it, drain it out, get that sediment out of there because that's what really makes it inefficient and makes it not work very long. And you can find out exactly how to do that very simple maintenance item there for your home by going to todayshomeowner.com and then just type in the search engine there, draining your water heater. Hey, when we come back here on Today's Homeowner Radio, it's simple solution time. You're going to want to hear this one. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Today's Homeowner Radio. Today's homeowner is brought to you by Custom Building Products. 
the leader in flooring preparation products and tile and stone installation systems. And welcome back to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. I'm Danny Lipford. I'm the host of the show. And for the most part, I do most of the driving. But at this point in the show, I shift over to my buddy Joe Truini for our simple solution. One of the most popular parts of the entire Today's Homeowner Radio Show. So, Joe, I would say there's some pressure here. That This better be good, okay? It better be good. It better yeah. be good. Yeah. yeah, and I've driven with Danny, and it is a pretty scary <laughs> proposition. Do you remember that cobalt blue Mustang we rented, the convertible? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and man, going fly Danny fishing. got it to 110. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> hey, we had to get there before the fish we had ran to get away. There. That's right. That's right. <laughs> okay, Danny, here's a tip on repurposing an old folding banquet table. A lot of people have banquet tables in their home because they're great for, you know, when you have extra people over for dinner or parties, that kind of thing. Um, but once they get all beaten up, you don't want to use them in your dining room. So here's how to convert them to a workbench. Now, the only problem with these tables, first, they're great because they fold up, the legs fold up. Some of them fold up and actually fold in half to take up even less space. And they're pretty sturdy, but they're only 29 inches tall. And at 29 inches, that's pretty uncomfortable to stand at. So what you need to do, extend the legs with one inch diameter PVC pipe. So get a length of PVC pipe and cut it. And depending on the legs, the type of legs on the table, usually if you cut it about 12 inches, that'll raise the table to a comfortable 36 inch working height. And the reason your kitchen countertops are at 36 inches is for that exact reason. It's a pretty comfortable height to be standing at. So you just cut these, the pipe to length, again, usually around 12 inches, put a plastic cap and get a plastic PVC cap. You don't have to glue it on, just put it on the end of the pipe and slip them over the legs of the table. And then when you stand it up, it'll be about 36 inches tall. And then when you're done with it, you can fold, you know, just pull off the plastic legs, fold up the table legs and store all those parts away till the next time you need it. There you go. It certainly works very well. We've done this on uh, some of the production that we do where we need tables from time to time. So that's another good one, another way to get some more use out of that banquet table. Thanks a lot, Joe. And you can see more of the Simple Solutions by going to today's homeowner.com slash simple solutions. While you're there, check out what's happening on the Today's Homeowner television show this weekend. It's a project we're doing over at Chelsea's house It's called A Clean Slate. It's all to do with efficient use of your laundry room, regardless of how big or small it is. We'll show you some great ways of using some stock cabinets, how to use some leftover granite, how to make some cubicles that just kind of fit just what's needed to where you go in that room, which is a pretty well-used room in a house, especially at Chelsea's house with four children, and you have to have it efficient and you want it to look nice because you do spend some time in there. We'll show you all about how you do that and a number of other little tricks to make your laundry room a lot more efficient. So just check it out at todayshomeowner.com. Find out where you can see it in your neck of the woods. Also want to share with you a, a wonderful project we have coming up at the USS Alabama. It's our 25th season finale. It's the, the last show of our 25th season on national television, and we're doing a lot of work with 150 volunteers at the USS Alabama. I'm going to tell you a lot about it in the weeks coming up because this takes place June 5th through the 9th. You can be a part of it, whether you would like to be there as a volunteer, or if you would like to contribute to it, all you have to do is go to todayshomeowner.com slash battleship. 
That's todayshomeowner.com slash battleship. Find out all about the history of the USS Alabama, which is phenomenal. Find out about all of the movies that were taped there. You'll go, wow, I never knew that. I've seen that movie. And a lot of other things about this very special project that's taking place so that we can give back a little bit to our community that's been so good to us and in turn have this episode that everybody will see throughout the country. We're looking forward to it. You'll hear more about it as we get a little closer. Hey, that pretty much wraps up the Today's Homeowner Radio Show for this week. We certainly appreciate you spending a lot of time with us, and we hope that we've been able to share with you something that you can certainly use around your house. I'm Danny Lipford, along with my co-host Joe Truini, our engineer Corey Wilson, our producer Jacob Scarborough, and our whole Today's Homeowner family. Hoping you have a fantastic weekend and a fantastic week.